Welcome to the Art and Life Podcast with your host, Taylor Gallegos. Art exists all around us, in all directions, from all walks of life. We just need to know how to see it. The Art and Life Podcast is an experiment in an audio format that focuses on the art and philosophy involved with different people and their life paths. This experiment is intended to inspire you in your creative pursuits, whatever they may be. Follow along as I interview movers and shakers from all walks of life. It's possible to make a life from your art, skill, craft, or vision. These interviews showcase that fact. Listen while you work. Listen while you create. Listen while you dream up the next big breakthrough. First off, I want to say thank you for listening. The people being interviewed and I are two parts of the podcast, but it wouldn't be complete without you, the listener. I very much appreciate your attention and your energy, and I hope you get as much out of this as I do. If you enjoy what you hear, you can join me on this artistic journey in many ways. You can subscribe to the show, leave a review, and share it around. You can join the conversation on the Art and Life Facebook group, where we discuss topics from the shows. You can join my email list on my website at taylorgallegosart.com on the contact page. And while you're there, check out the new artwork I've been creating. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at taylorgallegosart. And finally, you can support my art and the Art and Life podcast on my Patreon page. Just search Taylor Gallegos Art. So again, a deep and sincere thank you for being here. Now, on to the good stuff. All right, my friends, here we are, Art and Life. We're back. Uh, this is season two. Today, we have Marcus Manor. He is uh, zooming in from Stockholm, Sweden. He's a musician. He's got quite the musical IQ with the musical pedigree. Um, he's just a delight to speak with and to listen to. And uh, yeah, he's got a great viewpoint on life. You're going to hear all about lots of different perspectives on things. We have a really nice time. I really like what happens in part two. Um, we get into some really fun philosophical meanderings. And, uh, you know, we get into talking about different different Latin terms. Bet you didn't expect that. I didn't. So, uh, yeah, let's just jump right into it. Marcus Manor. Cheers. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast. I am your host today. Mr. Taylor Gallegos. And with me is a very special guest from across the other side of the planet. We had to sync up time zones and figure out a situation that worked for both of us. And here we are. So without further ado, Mr. Marcus Manor. Marcus, thanks for being on the show. You're welcome. It's really good to be here. Looking, I've been looking forward to this a long time. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I'm stoked. So uh, why don't you uh, do the whole thing? Where are you from? Who you are? Where are you from? How you got to where you're at and uh, what it is that you do? Well, that's going to be a long ride. <laughs> well, first and foremost, I'm a Finnish 
person living in Sweden. So my, both of my parents came to Sweden at the end of the 60s. So Sweden had a, a lot of immigration for workforce, work labor. And the Finnish people were really eager to work. And uh, I mean, the times in Finland at, back in those days, they were pretty meager. No means, very little means. I could tell you about my dad's my dad growing up you know having to walk several miles to school in old old shoes and never have a, having a penny in his pocket you know but um they moved here and and uh, i was born in, back in 1978 in um, a little place called grengesberg uh, that's a complicated word swedish word it has a letter you don't have in in your vocabulary mm. it's a letter a with two dots over it so it's a Okay. Okay. So now we had some Swedish training here too. Perfect. Thank you. Yes. So I was born and um, and pretty early on, I think I was three years old, we moved to Stockholm, which is the capital here in Sweden, which is where I have grown up. Um, my dad was a mus- musician. He played the accordion and he played with my uncle who played guitar and uh, we, I still live here where, where I grew up, basically. It's, um, it's like 20 clicks, 20 kilometers outside of uh, central Stockholm. So it's as near to the capital as you can get it here. And Sweden, as you might know, is a fairly small country, about nine or close to 10 million of us here. So it's basically the size of New York in one country, population-wise. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, Sweden is Sweden. It's pretty cold here i mean you guys san diego guys you're used to heat yeah and many other places there too we have a mutual friend i was telling him um the temperature here one morning and it was i never experienced that cold before i said well (laughs) it's it's regular here and you guys think it's cold when it's like what 20 degrees (laughs) yeah i mean are you talking celsius no, Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit. Yeah. Um, I mean, in San Diego, it's like cold when it's 50. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that puts but that's San Diego. The-, the rest of the country is is a lot colder, especially right now. There's been a, a, a cold wave going through. Yeah, look at Texas, man. That's oh, insane. That's oh, yeah. like rivaling the the cold we had here. Yeah, yeah. And I'm uh, I'm originally from Colorado, so I grew up with with Pretty cold temperatures. I, I saw negative degrees at times. Yeah, the Rockies. That's cool. Yep. Yep. Awesome. So living and growing up here in little Sweden, I had quite some luck because the, the town where I grew up, we had some pretty famous musicians come from here. If you know the band Europe, hmm. Final Countdown is one of their hit oh, yeah. songs from the 80s. Yeah. That band, they grew up here and and started playing here in my town. So I met a couple of those guys. And I had a pretty good guitar teacher early on, too, by the name of Fredrik Orkeson. He plays now in Opeth. It's a pretty, pretty big band. He's probably one of one of the best guitar players in the world. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Seriously. Skilled dude. Everybody should check out the band Opeth. It's O-P-E-T-H. So it's not that heavy. It's pretty melodic. 
and it's awesome. Sweet. Yeah, so music has always been a big part of my life. I've I've been drawn to music and thankfully my my older sister, she she had like this monthly subscription where you would get home a CD back in the days when CDs were still a thing. And uh, it was called Mr. Music and it would feature different songs that were making the hit lists all over the world. Had like 15 songs on it and she would always play music for me and she introduced me to to hard rock and heavy metal pretty early on like with the likes of Dio, Rat, Accept. Not that much Iron Maiden though. Never been a huge fan of those. And then Europe was the big thing. So I started playing drums in our apartment when I was 12 years old. Can you imagine having those? And a young guy hitting everything he had at those things. It was, I don't know how my parents or our neighbors put out with that. It was really <laughs> insane, yeah. But I always, I always wanted to play guitar. Guitar was my, you know, like my, my big passion. The, the thing that I wanted, I really wanted to do the most of all was to play guitar. But I never kind of had the patience when I was growing up. And my, my dad was self-taught. So he kind of had the idea that, well, if you're not playing, just, just listen to a song and play with it. But it's not that easy when you're like six, seven, eight years old. At least for me, it wasn't that early on. So I figured drums would be easier just to hit something, you know. Yeah. And it was. I kind of stuck with that for a bunch of years. I had a break from it. And didn't play any instruments at all for a really long time. And then I picked drums up again when I was um, finishing, finishing up high school and uh, started playing again and really got into it for a whole year, played like nonstop. And then we were living in a house, thankfully. So I only bothered my parents and my sister back then by you can imagine having on Metallica on the stereo and then playing drums along with it. It was some some noise being created there, <laughs> but that's but that's where I thrive. But at the time, then I was starting to look at guitar. I was playing in a just a high school band with some friends. We were we sucked pretty hard, honestly. <laughs> Nobody was really good at their instruments, but it's like all bands in high school, I presume. Oh yeah, and I, I know high school bands are a really big thing back uh, over there at states. Yeah, I mean there's a lot of those going on. And uh, oh yeah, I missed a bit there when I was um, when I was in high school. I started getting into into arts too. Unfortunately, I've never had the artistic side of being able to to draw or paint. And my handwriting is awful. It looks like you you put a bird's feet on on ink and have them walk over the paper. That's how my handwriting is <laughs> so i never had a knack for that i had a couple of friends who were really gifted you know at, at, at drawing and painting they could do this realistic stuff with just um regular pencils and it was amazing and i was so envious of those guys i wished i could do that but i managed to do some clay molding and and stuff and and i noticed that i that i had a keen sense for for how i viewed things that I could notice small things and errors and really had the eye for it but I couldn't match what I was seeing with what my hand was doing that was the issue for me I never figured out the, the technique for for drawing really 
So that's a, that will be an eternal, you know, bucket list thing for me. But I'm pretty happy now. My daughters thinks, think I'm an excellent, you know, draw at drawing, you know. <laughs> so that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, compared to what they do, probably I'm a Picasso or Rembrandt or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, music, music. I love music. I love playing music. I love writing music. I love um, composing music. That's where my heart is really in life. And music is a universal language which can speak between cultures, between ages. And uh, I bet if we were to communicate with some extraterrestrial life forms, I say screw mathematics, send them some tunes. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, no, that's that's cool. Well, I mean, music is mathematics. It is too. Yeah, which is one of the most interesting things about it that it's like so multi-dimensional. And when will we be out of original music? It's just a mathematical question, right? Yeah. When when will we run out of chord progressions and melodies and notes played in certain order so that so that they don't infringe on anything else. I don't know if we're there yet, but we will be there someday. There won't be any unique note progressions or chord progressions to play anymore. But then you have to look at it this way. Is it only a, is it only a question of the root chords or the notes, or is it also about the, the type of beat you choose to put on it and the other instruments, what layers and harmonies do you put on it? When is it a unique piece of music and when is it copying somebody else? That's a really awesome question. We'll, have to, we'll have to suck on that for a while, I think. Yeah, yeah but a, it is true. <laughs> well, and uh, I mean, when you, if you, even if you play the same thing, but you do it in a, like with a different person singing it or you, mm. it's like there's, infinite amounts of variation that you can throw at something so that it's like becomes something new or some new combination of it mm -hmm. like there's with the i mean if you're you know let's say you take 10 numbers and then you there like you can see how many combinations there, there will be it'll be like whatever million different combinations of like 10 numbers or 20 numbers and then in the world of music and instruments and voices and everything, there's like an infinite number of variations of all the different things. Mm. Although, I mean, if you're strictly talking about composition, like musical composition, like the chord progressions, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe it is possible to run out of room. Mm. Let's hope we never get there. <laughs> I'm, but I'm, I'm assuming there's a long way to go from here. Yeah. But I, I'm speaking about room for for music. I've I've had this thought going on for a long time, and it goes back to when I was growing up, playing music, listening to music, and I I bet it's the same for. And this must be a universal thing where where you have certain songs or bands, mostly songs I'd say that are really closely tied to to you in an emotional way, that are really close to your heart and. I've been thinking about this for a long time because even if my favorite bands put out new material, the new stuff doesn't tend to stick with me 
in a long duration like the older stuff has done because I still go back to listen to it. I still think about those songs. And I've been thinking about this for the longest time because there's new music coming out in a in a in a way that there's never never done before because it's so easy for anybody to record their songs, to release them, to put them out on YouTube. I mean, I could make a song now and I could send it to you on the other side of the ocean there way far away and you could hear it instantly so the easiness of getting your music out there so there's a lot of music out there but there's so little that's that attaches itself to to people emotionally anymore i've talked to several people about this uh, people who play music who only listen to music and and i i started to think of a theory there and uh, my theory uh, was that Let's say we have like a container, a certain sized container inside of us. And when it's full, it's full. You can't really fit anything else there. You have to pour something out of it to make room for new stuff there. And what I mean with this container is that it's more, more so of an emotional container where you have a certain emotional space for putting in these kind of things because music that really attaches itself to you it's so hard it's so it's so hard hard tied to your feelings at the time or when you heard a song or what you were going through or just at what point in life you were in right then so i'd say that's my reasoning behind um, me not being able to find that much new music that that i really stick to or like yeah that's interesting i like that observation i would say though that there's like the way that you're talking about it the you know the vessel with only so much space Mm -hmm. that is more looking at it in like a three-dimensional aspect you know it's Mm -hmm. got like height width and and a volume height, or, height width yeah. length and so it's got volume but then the fourth dimension is time and so over time i feel like maybe all of that volume all of the music that is in that starts to like settle and we get farther as like every second clicks away and then it settles a little bit more and we get farther away from those original experiences that we had like the the music that hit me in mm. in high school you know I still love it and it still has this like emotional spot in my heart, like you're saying, but I get farther away from it and I'm not going to continue to listen to that as much. Maybe I'll go back and like, I have, you know, I have some stuff on my Spotify playlist that I'll hear, have mm-hmm. every in a while. but you do get farther away. And then every, every second is a new experience. And every week, you know, day, week, month, year, we're like hearing new songs here and there that we like, and that we put into rotation. And mm-hmm. then before you know it, there's a new song that has like totally grabbed your heart that, that you've like, and I think it's definitely connected with experiences. So like, you know, like, let's say there's this song that you really like and you hear it when you're out on a date with your partner and the, you know, you're like drinking some wine, you're eating some good food, you're mm-hmm. dancing. It's like that song is embedded with that memory. And then there it is and then it's like part of you it's like part of your heart and soul and your story and your memories and so it's like a timeline so to speak yeah totally so like that vessel is like continuously being like 
continuously being filled again and then but there's those ones that'll that stick with you and like i mean thank god for spotify spotify Mm -hmm. it's i feel like if i had a side job working for spotify i could have been really successful because i've told so many people about how much i love it because it's like it's an entire music like uh catalog personalized to you that's digital you know so like I, every song that I've ever liked in my life, I can basically find and then yeah. put it in a playlist and then I never lose it. And then I can go back and listen. And there's one, one playlist that I have that I just like everything I like, I just dump into it. And there's like 300 hours of music on there, wow. like handpicked great music that I've loved throughout the years. And yeah. So what, what would, what would your job have been at Spotify and curating playlists or? Oh, I would love to do marketing. that. Yeah, that would, I, I, I mean, I could have marketed it because I just tell everybody all the time. Like, it's so great because of this reason, that reason, and that reason. Because <laughs> I love it. Because it's like, it's, I mean, yeah. last thing about it, it's like, it's only $15 for, or like $10 for premium. And mm-hmm. think about how much it was, how much it cost for a CD. Yeah, it was more than that. Yeah, it's like 18 bucks yeah. for a CD and you get 12 yeah. songs to 18 songs and maybe you like them all, but maybe you don't. But this is like 10 bucks a month and you have all the music ever. And mostly you never even heard it. So you were looking at the at the cover. I wonder yeah. if this, oh, this looked cool. That's a cool name. Mm-hmm. You brought it home, put it in your CD and oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. when you rented movies too. Kind of before, you know, the trailers and YouTube and everything like that was came along you had to read magazines about movies and and they only went so far into telling what the experience would be no but i I totally agree with you and you know you talked about the it condensing and and simmering down kind of to make i mean with time your your musical tastes and views and uh, there was a time when i was like well heavy metal is best everything else sucks but that changed really quick when i kind of got well age experience maturing does a lot to that and uh, it really broadened my my musical views and and my way of seeing music if if i were to yeah well i was going to ask you to go into those musical views and tell us about what those perspectives are now but you can finish yeah yeah well i can probably can tie it together and moving forward i i played guitar in several bands and i was also singing choirs and and then a good friend of mine called uh called david Olund or tweaky or or dave he at the time was uh, working for the keyboard company called roland he had won a competition called Masters of Groove where he was uh, doing these acid break beat things. And he landed a gig at Roland working as a sound designer for uh, synthesizers that wow. were released. So he, he'd make the, some of the demo songs in there and he designed the sounds. And he was a really talented musician and a music producer already back then. So he, he called me at a point, this was, I think, this goes way back. I think this was around 2003 and called me and basically asked, well, I have this band going on and 
uh, it's a bit different. It's going to be a, some, some mixture of you know, rap, some metal riffs and some funk aspects and even some reggae. And would you like to come and try out and play with us? Uh, instantly I said, yes, because he, it was him asking that somebody else asked, I would come in. Nah, it's not really my jazz, you know, my, not my jive playing, you know, hip hop and rap and stuff. And, but I met up with him, hooked up at his place and uh, we were going to uh, going to the rehearsal later that evening. And uh, so I brought my guitar and my pedals and stuff. And we actually started writing on the songs that he, he was, they had for that band. And it turned out we were in a, shortly thereafter, they had already booked us for um, a music competition here in, in Stockholm that is yearly. And, uh, oh, by the way, we're going to play this in two weeks. Okay. <laughs> and we did it. And apparently we're pretty good. So we got to the finals, but we lost in the finals to, to a really good band, though. A really awesome band. And at the gig, there was these two chicks that came up and they were, and they had a club called Club Nirvana in Stockholm, where we, they asked us to come and play a gig later that summer, which we did. And, and before that gig, we, we recorded our first demo also. And that was a, that was a hassle and a half me and the, uh, David, my friend, who was one of the two vocalists, we were working night shifts at a chocolate factory, <laughs> of all things, you know. <laughs> we were each night when we went to work, we started around 11. On Sundays, we started 6 p.m. already. That was not that fun and went to 6 a.m. So, pretty long shift there. And every day we came into the locker room to change our clothes and put our hairnets on. Dude, we need a recording deal. That was what we said to each other. <laughs> and um, that was motivation for you. <laughs> yeah, that's motivation. Back to making chocolate. <laughs> it's pretty fun, though, you know? Lots of young people working there, and uh, we're always on about our music, and we're going to make it someday. And lo and behold, I got a hold of um, I actually a friend of my dad's who played music with my dad a singer he he knew somebody who had a, a small record label and so gave me the number i called the dude up and he was also somebody i knew he, he's a really good drummer Volcast drummer now he's a roadie for for opeth the other band and his friend had the record label and i called him and i pretty much sold the band into them and i sent them the cd we had made i think it was like two days he called me back and they, dude this is really good oh i know it's good i told you so <laughs> i think i can i think this is even marketable we could sell this music oh cool yeah so we would need to write a uh, write a contract i was like what and i kind of had to get my bearings get a hold of the world again you know and everything like that and and then call the guys all five of them besides me were six in the band so it was kind of happy times and then we hooked up with this really good um video producer and we had basically him and his somebody he worked with with us in our rehearsal room for like the duration of, of maybe three months and at our gigs and recording everything and we had recorded two demos at the time 
and which all of were really good songs and then gearing up for coming into the studio to record and then we get the call that um, uh, that the record label had gone bankrupt oh yeah yeah you no. know finish line the trip that was that was uh pretty tough but the thing is we had a another company who were really interested too they wanted to to release us and have us record maybe instantly but we couldn't get a hold of the guy who had who signed us so we couldn't get out of the contract because you can't just go do whatever you want anyway that's the hard deal so they had to pass us for some so for some singer songwriter chick at the time and we kept on we made our third demo and i had my my cousin was way cool. He was back at the time living here in Stockholm. He was from the other part of Sweden. He'd, he'd mass produce our demo and make copies of it. And because he was working a part-time job as a cleaner and he'd be cleaning offices at the record labels in Stockholm, you know, like, like the big ones, Sony, uh, can't remember the other names, but all those big labels, he would leave our CDs there at every desk almost, you know, while he was working there. <laughs> when the office hours were closed nice. so way cool of him to to do that and but finally then the un, unraveling of the band the guys kind of wanted to do something else and i think we lost a lot of our momentum there where when we got the news that the label had gone bankrupt yeah so you know easy come easy go kind of how it goes sometimes so I went, I went kind of into, um, and this was back in 2006, I think. So I, I took kind of a musical hiatus for a while. And playing with this band, all of these guys were way, way good musicians. They were playing all kinds of stuff. And being six members in a group, that really helped me broaden my, you know, skill set. Because I was the only guitar player. We had a keyboard player bass player, two singers, and, and a drummer. And our bass player also could play the bagpipes, which was cool. We have that on one of our songs. Nice. Yeah. And there was a lot of reggae there. There was a lot of funk. And it's kind of like a mix of maybe some corn, Linkin Park, Rage Against the Machine, and maybe some Incubus even thrown in there. That was the kind of style we had. The people yeah. oh, but you sound like Linkin Park. No, we don't. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> totally different style, so. And Lincoln Park are really cool. They're awesome. I really like them. Yeah. And uh, but we didn't we didn't sound it like them. But I found that playing heavy guitars in that kind of band still allowed me to do my thing, but over a different beat or a different mood or vibe. So it was way cool. And I had lots of stuff in the songs. I had like switching sounds four times the song, four different unique sounds where I do more like, um, well, coloring the songs, not that much playing riffs or just strumming chords, but it was a lot of melodies and, you know, cool effects going on, which was really awesome. And so I kind of went into a musical hiatus there. I put my guitar hanging on the wall, sold off a bunch of stuff that I wasn't using. I had seven string, I had, a backup guitar. Well, one guitar I always kept through my life is my ESP LTD Explorer. It maybe doesn't, people don't know that guitar. They 
it doesn't say that much. But if you think of 1990s James Hetfield with the black guitar, the Explorer, that's the kind that I have. And I have a really cool story also pertaining to that guitar. Um, I might divulge it a little bit later on. I'll tell you about it. It's such a cool thing, though. I'm, I'm going to have to tell it now, though. Um, ESP is the guitar company. They're based in L.A. And they've been making the guitars for Metallica since late 90s. So I got this guitar. I, I purchased it. I think it was the 24th, no, 23rd of December, 2001. I got it for Christmas. Nobody else got any Christmas gifts that year. It wasn't that expensive, so I bought it. And basically, that was the guitar, only guitar I played for the better half of almost 18 years after I got it. And when I, when I started playing guitar, really playing guitar, I was 17 at the time. And sitting there in a room, I decided to do what my father told me way back, that put on a, put on a song on your player and play along to it. Only the songs that I were playing along to were, were the likes of Master Puppets, Metallicas, and, and Justice for All, Black Album. So the skill set was like miles above what I could do. But I had to inch myself up there all the time. So I started with one and a half hours, two hours a day. I, at the time, I got to borrow my uncle's guitar. He had a really nice American Fender Strat, which I borrowed. And I had to ask him, how do you dial in the... The, the distortion, the really hot distortion. Well, when you can play that chord, I'll tell you how to put on the distortion. That was the level I was at then. Still playing drums, and I had some guys in the in the group I was playing with show me some riffs and some some stuff on the guitar. And always when we'd take a break in our rehearsals, I'd I'd always grab a guitar, put it on, and when they came back from the break, they were Marcus, stop playing now. It sounds horrible. I'll show you horrible, I thought. <laughs> and, and fast forward a couple of years, um, they were asking me how to do things on the guitar. So it went to three hours a day. I basically played to the point where I couldn't fret a chord anymore because my fingertips were so so hurting and so red that I couldn't play chords anymore or strumma or do anything, even if I wanted to. And... One, one huge thing was there. I was looking at my Metallica poster on my wall and saying, the day that I can play your songs, that day I'll, I'll be happy for the rest of my life. I'll, I will achieve my life goal. And as it was uh, way back, I was thinking about that. And, and it, when I, I think it was about the time when I had my 20-year anniversary with my guitar as a, as a guitar player guitarist and and it and it hit me that i had known how to play their songs and much more for a really long time so i had reached my life goal and i never even stopped to think about it i just <laughs> kept going i was oblivious to it until i until i started thinking about it i was like whoa i had to sit there for a while and just think about it and well okay what's next <laughs> that feel great i mean you achieved your life goal yeah it was awesome but it feels like i set the goal pretty low though <laughs> at the time it was you know it was impossible for me i have still some old cassettes you know where i recorded while i was playing and i listened to them 
and I cringe, you know, because it sounded horrible and was, but you know, everybody starts somewhere and you have to just keep at it. That's the only way to, to get forward. You'll get better. Everybody can get better at something. You have to just have to do it. And hopefully you'll have people come along, along your path, whatever you're doing and maybe giving you some advice that will avoid help you not make the same mistakes or get somewhere else faster and or do it smarter or quicker whatever is the you know the parameter parameter you want to put there to that um but the guitar i got there boy was a special it i think that guitar solely made me want to play more than anything else i remember the first night i had it home i had the i had it open so i could look at it just wake up and oh it's really here i really have this guitar now it was such a huge deal for me and playing that guitar man it still is the best guitar I ever played it's so it has so good balance it sounds so good and it's so versatile so i basically played everything with it recorded all kinds of guitars with it i didn't really feel the need to have any more guitars uh until a while ago i got to two other newer guitars or brand new ones and uh, but the thing is with that guitar i i was uh, at the time i was looking at linkedin and um, i happened to stumble across uh, a fellow named jeff moore who was at the time um i think he was head of head of uh sales at esp guitar company so i reached out to him and just kind of wrote him a testimonial you know a thank you and uh told him about the journey I had with my guitar and what that guitar and instrument meant for me and what it enabled me to do. I mean, without that guitar, I hadn't been the person I am today. And considering I paid like $550 for it <laughs> and to have that much value of something that I paid so little for, it was a lot of money back then for a guy, you know, who was just started working, working and, you know, I mean, half the salary went to that guitar just there. But looking back, it was so worth it. So I, and keep this in mind now, and I'm going to tell you this, is that I purchased one of this company's products and I bought it used back in 2001. So I think this was in 2017 that I, that I reached out to him and I told him about my journey and he got actually got back to me hmm. and, um, uh, he wrote something really awesome. He said, first of all, hi, Marcus. Thank you for reaching out to us. I also shared this with the team. We all found, found it very inspiring. And your love for music, that's why we do what we do here at the ESP Guitars. And, and he, he told me that if you ever find yourself in LA, let us know beforehand. We, we would like to arrange a tour of our facilities for you. It would be our pleasure. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. And, and that really, you know, I've been working with customer service and, uh, and support and all those things for, for better part of 15 years now and customer, how you value your customer that really put that notion. It threw it off the, you know, the board for me, I was stumped okay so here we have a dude in sweden who owns one of your products 
anybody used and you still give him you know this back just to get a guided tour of their facilities that's a place where james hetfield and kirk hammett and all of these huge rock stars you know who are endorsed by them and have their own signature models there they go there and get to put the finishing touches on their custom designs for those guitars and these are musicians known by the whole world sold millions of hundreds of millions of records and little old me get to come there and and see the see the place so that's something when covid's over me and the family are coming over to san diego say hi to josh and erin and me and josh are gonna schedule over to dsp guitars oh yeah that that's gonna be awesome well and josh was a, a bit of a rock star himself back in the day mm -hmm. the, the yeah I, don't know this but um josh mcmurtry who was on the podcast and aaron mcmurtry the two of them were in season one um yeah they introduced josh introduced me to you and mm -hmm. yeah like he was he he had like a whole rock star life when he was living in la he was playing the guitar mm -hmm. in like a heavy metal band for like yeah they were they were actually pretty good he played me some stuff there's something on youtube with them <clears throat> it was a bit more on the extreme side which i also like i tend to like all kinds of hard music but but it it was it had quality to it it could have been you know a known band at that level yeah but he he left that whole deal you know to to do other things yeah pursue his life in art and video which um who knows what would have been better or had he been at the same place he's right now you know yeah. or had i been had you been you know different different paths different lives maybe different different versions of us doing that somewhere else you know in a parallel universe oh yeah i mean who knows that's a fun thought about just like the parallel existences that we all live where like every moment of every day is we make we make a decision mm -hmm. when we could have gone the other way and so then every moment is like a splitting mm -hmm. into different possibilities timelines yeah, yeah there's like an infinite tree of and and also this is a pretty mind-boggling thing which are which are are the ones that affect have a minor effect or a major effect on where you end up or the ripples that it causes that's start thinking about that each time you make a decision <laughs> uh, you will be pretty indecisive at the end i'd say right it's like it's crippling to think about it in those mm -hmm. ways but there, yeah, it's like there's all these little decisions that you make all the time that probably wouldn't make a huge difference unless there's like the butterfly effect type thing going on where like small things turn into giant things. But then there's those big ones. Like there's, I'm sure everybody has like five or six very large decisions in their life that they've made mm. that have ended up in who they are. And if you would have gone the other way, your life would have been so different. Mine was, uh, I start playing with um with a thrash metal band these were a couple of younger dudes but they had actually way back they had been in our rehearsal room and seen us play and kind of were influenced by us to start playing themselves and it turned out that these guys were such high level musicians at the point when i met them again so i was singing singing at the time in a cover band and they were rehearsing just 
over the just over the uh, next next of these there were kind of houses outside like small cottages where where bands rehearse and i met them there and their guitarist at the time was uh, moving back up to northern sweden to be with his mom who was sick at the time and so they i went to jam with them once and then they kind of popped the question would you like to start playing with us i was like heck yeah you guys are freaking amazing so i played with them for a, a while and then um, the guitarist actually went to la to study at mi musicians institute so that's the level he was at really good player still is an awesome player and so the band split up so i kind of went into not playing well i played some guitar by myself now and then and but not active in any bands or anything and 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 this was in the fall of 2010 when i started uh thinking about well maybe i could uh, record my own own stuff and start making my own music just me myself and i and that's where this journey that i'm still on started and i i told you some of it i wrote some of that to you when i started out just with my computer a guitar and a chord i even i i have an even earlier thing than that i downloaded a, a software called adobe audacity which is just for editing audio it's not even for proper recording i'd say and i had this you know headphones with a small microphone and i put put those against my my um, my combo amplifier i had a line six with a 12 inch speaker put it on the floor and the little mic against that so i was yeah now i mic'd an mic'd up the amp so i can record it but it I managed to get it sounding pretty good when i put some eq on it and stuff but i it was at, at such a level where i didn't know at all what i was doing i had lots of friends you know who could have told me but when i, when I asked them they never had the time you know so i thought well i have to figure this out myself so i went from that then i got a proper recording software and um, at the time me and my wife were going to get married and i wanted to do something for her musically and i i understood pretty early on that i wouldn't be able to to play and sing for her in the church you know at the ceremony so i started thinking well you have to you have a wedding dance which is here in sweden it's custom to have it as a waltz you know and then i started thinking about a song that meant really much for me which is nothing else matters by metallica and it's in three six i think so which is compatible with with waltz so i started uh, recording my own cover of it and and then i started thinking well it, oh yeah it, it has an orchestral arrangement in it too how the heck do i compose an orchestra well okay i'll need a i'll need a keyboard so i got a midi keyboard and my wife put a tape on it and she wrote all the notes because i i, I couldn't tell the notes on the piano where they were at I maybe played piano and keyboard for a total of my life, uh, one hour to that point that I fiddled around with it. And I started recording that piece, you know, maybe in, maybe in January of 2011. And I just started out with this in maybe October and just with the recording stuff. And I wasn't, I wasn't as worried about the wedding, you know, 
with the details my wife was really at it and and what clothes and you know learning the dance i was just how the heck am i gonna do this song (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was a major overtaking for me and i mean scoring an orchestra part for it recording all the guitars i i borrowed the drums from the original song there are uh, clips on youtube where they separated the audio so i got the drums and bass from there but everything else i recorded and and it turned out really good actually really really good and it it, it was a total of like 60 or 70 tracks individual tracks in the project i had to mix yeah it was a huge project and i managed to get it sounding good because i i knew that everybody would say wow that was good marcus because people say that but I wanted him to really honestly think it was good and mm-hmm. not just because I had done it. Right. So that really opened the door for me to start making music. And I noticed creatively it opened up a lot of doors for me being all by myself, because when you're in a band, you have, you have a genre, you have a style you have to adhere to, and you have other members of the band who have their, you know, ideas or their principles that oh, I can play that. That's I, I refuse to play that style or those kind of things but when you have this idea come up it's like a little infant in your hands and it can go anywhere when when you're by yourself if you just let it you just have to have the courage to let it go and if it wants to be an intro fine let it be an intro if it wants to be in a totally different song that's fine too just let it grow by itself you know organically and that's how i broaden my musical spectrum like tenfold because I just let things happen they and they grew and kind of grew out of my power and about that time also I got it I got this thing happened to me when I was you know going to work or at work and suddenly a melody would start to play in my head um, what's this now and I couldn't let it go before I had started writing it you know and recording it and when I felt that I was you know kind of finished or I was done whatever when are you done with a song I'd say never maybe you can open it up and go infinite on it and it wouldn't stop bothering me in my head before I had recorded it and done something with it and then it was all quiet again until the next thing come up the next thing I think I really tapped into my creative source you know and really open it up by letting it be free and not having this walls put around it or rules around it, you know, it has to be something like that. I really learned to un- unscrew myself, you know, from the thinking I had before playing with bands where, where it's cool and all. I mean, it's really awesome, but you still aren't that free creatively, maybe as you are by yourself. Definitely not. Oh man, that's awesome. Um, I feel like at this point we need to dive into the question section and then Mm -hmm. in the second part of our interview, we're going to dive into more of the, uh, individual composition stuff. Cause that's, I, I mean, I talk about it with a friend of mine who's in a band, um, just like the difference in creative freedom that we have, like he's in a six piece band and it's like anything that happens in his band, it's like goes through a committee, you know, whereas I can make decisions so quickly. And it's like very, like the decision-making mm-hmm. process, pro, process is very agile. 
whereas in mm. a band it's a lot slower and like um yeah so i'm sure that you experienced that oh yeah really um all right well let's jump into these uh questions are you ready for that mm -hmm. all right <clears throat> so flow state do you know what flow state is no okay so flow state is like when you're it's when you're in the zone it's mm -hmm. when you know some people like athletes talk about it musicians artists of all kinds um it's oh yeah 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 i know what you mean then yeah yeah you put that wording no. yeah you've mm -hmm. been in it yeah exactly so it's like time stands still everything just like happens without even mm. trying it's beautiful um what would be your favorite or one of your favorite flow state moments of your life Oh, thinking back now, it's probably at a gig we played where, where my main guitar had a string break from it and the other guys just went kind of into a jam and I was like, okay, what do I do now? And the, one of the vocalists, he started, you know, rapping, changed the guitar. And I went to get my other guitar, which was the seventh string. And then we just continue with the jam there and sign up, you know, when you're, playing with guys you played a lot with or sometimes it happens with people you haven't played that played that much with, or even at all and you're you'll kind of just kind of find a synchronization between each other where it will allow you to to foresee where you're going so you can kind of like a like a really advanced type of jam where where stuff will happen and you'll just by intuition you'll know to follow each other you know, nothing is decided beforehand, you know, when there's a change in tempo or, or a chord progression or, or something like that, you'll just instinctively follow each other. So we turned up kind of into a place like that, where I put on my seven string guitar and I started using the, using the, the lower, lowest string, which is a B string. And, uh, and we went, went into a spontaneous jam there in the middle of a song and then suddenly we, we all kicked back into the song that we were doing when, when my string broke off. So that was a really awesome experience. And we were all perplexed by it after the gig because nobody, because we hadn't agreed upon that. We had, we didn't have a plan because my strings never broke, never during a gig had I broken a string up to that point and switched the guitar and we started playing on something else because they were kind of holding the song you know just playing yeah i don't know how to explain it, but they were kind of playing a part of it but then we started playing something totally else different yeah that was a there that was really being in the flow you know syncing up with the other guys you know having kind of we sharing the same musical consciousness there it was beautiful amazing it's uh it's a shame that it's not recorded anywhere <laughs> but it might have sounded crap you know when you go back to listen to it that's the thing it felt awesome but it who knows how it sounded really i'm sure it sounded great i mean sound like those moments especially when you're in a team moment like that's mm. i mean back to the difference between being a solo artist versus in a group is like in as a solo artist, I'll get into these flows and these like cool flow state moments, but I, I'm, I'm the only one that realizes it. And mm -hmm. so I'm sort of alone with my creativity. Um, and then, but then in a band, like when that happens or on, on like a team or something like yeah. that, 
the synchronizing element is so amazing. Like it's like, uh, and the feeling of it because it is mm -hmm. shared is so cool. Yeah. I wonder where it comes from though. It's so that you can really, it's a hundred percent synced up because you, you follow each other. I mean, just at the spur of the moment, you don't know where the other guys are going. Somebody might just do something totally off if it wasn't synced in, you know, start doing a double beat there or just do a full stop and everybody else continues, you know, so it would be embarrassing instead of awesome, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That could happen. Yeah. But it's like that time and energy everybody's put in so much, like there's practice that's gone in and then mm -hmm. you've done, it's like when you, it seems like flow state can happen when all of the little hiccups are taken care of, you know, like when you're, when you've practiced enough, when you've had enough repetitions, when you've got enough experience in the game or whatever it is to like have all the small things taken care of. And then that high level, that like crescendo of experience is that, uh, that flow state. But would you call it flow state too? Because mostly when I, when I do my own music, if I have a guitar solo coming up, I, I really don't like to write guitar solos. I don't, I'm not a huge fan of playing guitar solos neither. So I just kind of take a deep breath, listen to it a couple of times, even though I heard it a million times by the point where I'm going to play something over it. And then I'll just let my hands go and just do it by heart or from the heart or wherever emotional, go deep emotionally and a little rip, so to say. Yeah. that's that's how i do my solos and i noticed i do the same thing with with um lyrics too or vocals i'll just read the titles of books on my bookshelf which i have behind me here in my studio room and i'll just and then i'll build the build the lyrics from there i would that's kind of flow state too or would you say oh absolutely mm -hmm. yeah yeah when you when you're just going you know, with going with the flow, going from the feeling, like, like you said, from the heart or from wherever it comes from. That's uh, like, that's quintessential flow state. Yeah. Um, I, I've never heard of the expression before. That was cool. Oh, I know. I oh yeah. It's really good. cool. Um, there's a book that I just read that dives into it completely. Uh, and it's called stealing fire. Mm -hmm. um, it is a fantastic read. Um, yeah. Stealing I fire. Yep, stealing fire. It, uh, I was, it was like my obsession for a, a good like four months. Um, all right. So the next question is, uh, what advice would you give to aspiring creatives? Well, that's a good question, actually. <laughs> I would say, um, just to, um, I have a lot of lots of people who ask me and. Well, how do you start writing music? How do you start recording music? I want to I want to start playing guitar. Well, first and foremost, you just got to do it. There's no other way around it. Just go for it. Don't don't listen to, you know, the negative nannies out there who will say that, well, you're too old or this and that. I mean, and and people will always give you objections that they have made up for themselves like well, I'm, I'm so, I'm not that, mu you know, musicality is, I'm not that good at it, or uh, I haven't got the ear for music or whatever. And 
but I've learned to understand over the years that when somebody tells me they want to start playing the guitar, but it seems so hard or they, the theory behind it or anything, I think the first thing that they see is the visual with their eyes, which is my fingers going really fast and, you know, being agile, having the dexterity and, you know, speed and moving like second nature. And that's, that's not musicality behind it. That's just years and years of training and, and repetition of, of those moves. I mean, look at a surfer. You don't do that after a couple of times. You have to dedicate yourself to it or a painter or anything. And, but the thing is that the musical side of it, it's not that. The musical side, you could, you could just take a keyboard and start playing notes by random. And if you find a beautiful progression, you could record that and make a song out of it. And for aspiring creatives and people say, well, I'm not that creative or I'm not creative. How so? Have you create? have you built something with your hands? Have you had an idea come up? Did you select that those flowers in that vase would go together or those colors would go together? Did you decorate your room or your apartment? Did you choose the, colors did you choose the well whatever that's creativity too so everybody is creative in a way and but people don't see themselves as that you don't have to paint a picture or or write a song to be creative so do it go ahead <laughs> make it make yourself the give yourself the gift and just go ahead and do it don't care what everybody else anybody else says there you it's go. for you yeah do it do it you creatives or even if you think you're not creative you are mm -hmm. yes um all right so uh last question this is the the big the main event what's your definition of art wow definition of art i'd say when you have when you don't have anything but you put together something out of it or you make it into something new, which um, when, when looked at or heard or touched or anything like, sets um, some emotion going on within you that you feel something. I like that. Yeah, because there's, there are creations that are made, but I would say that like the distinction between them is like that emotional component. Mm -hmm. um, like art definitely elicits like a feeling, an emotion, a, a sensation. Yeah, because what is art? I could take a brush, splash it with color and just, you know, kind of swipe it at a, at a canvas and we'll probably leave some dots or some lines there. And I'll just repeat that with different colors and then put it at a gallery and somebody, whoa, I like that. It's really expressionist, expressionistic, you know, it kind of has that feeling. I don't have obviously the terms for the art world, but you know what I'm getting at there. So would that be art then? I'd say yes. If somebody looks at it and likes it, it's art to them at least, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Being creative, putting things together. That's what it's all about. Well, Marcus, this has been an awesome conversation so far. And uh, Thank you. 
I'm really pleased that Josh put us together and it's cool. You know, when he reached out and he was like, yo, I got this buddy who I think would be great for the podcast. Um, yeah, it was fun talking with you, you know, over in mm-hmm. Likewise. Getting to know you a little bit here. And, I, and I've listened to two of your songs now that you played and, uh, and you've, you've got the musical arts in you through and through. So thank uh, you. Yeah, I definitely, I mean, keep on doing that, man. Definitely keep doing that. Um, where can people follow you or check out your music? Well, I have my music on uh, both uh, Spotify, iTunes, uh, Google Music, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, I think even all the major streaming sites. And uh, you can find it by searching for my name, Marcus Manor, Marcus with a K. And I noticed sometimes also with my, I have this artist name, which is Obsession Session. Just spell like two words and you'll find some other ones of my songs there too. Mm-hmm. That's some of my older stuff, but I have the song you heard. I'm going to release it soon when I finished with the mix and everything and the master of it. And I'll, I will release that one too. And I have some other stuff coming up too. Nice. Nice. Everybody go check it out. Cause uh, it's really good. Um, all right, Marcus. Well, can you uh, leave the humans with one last bit of wisdom? One last bit of wisdom. You really put me on a spot here, Taylor. Thanks. <laughs> You're such <laughs> a nice guy. Um, I'd say whatever your passion is in life, follow it. There will come a point where it's too late to do it. and And don't feel that you need to compare yourself to others because you don't. Uh, if you're doing something that you is making you feel good and making you feel happy, then you're doing the right things. And the only comparison you need to make is where you feel that you are good at and where you're pleased to be, then that's the right place to be. It's whatever you want to do in life, you can do it, I'd say. I've done my journey and i learned all the stuff by myself and and anybody else can do it i mean there's so much information out there right now you just have to want to do it enough and you be able to do it yes marcus manor cheers cheers again this podcast is brought to you by high ground coffee an adventure coffee brand with a new twist on brewing coffee, wherein you steep coffee like it's a tea. You just drop a packet in hot water and you go. It's the newest way to brew coffee and it's awesome. Use coupon code TAYLOR at checkout for 15% off. Visit them at myadventurecoffee.com. That's myadventurecoffee.com. All right, folks, we're back. This is part two with Marcus Manor. Marcus. Thanks for being on again. Now we are, uh, we're diving back in and you, you were just talking about droughts, like droughts in creativity. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of people go through those. Um, Why don't you dive into what you were saying there? Yeah. Well, what I was talking about is what people call writer's block or, or just 
not coming up with anything new or anything that sounds good enough or feels good enough or looks good enough, depending on what your art form is. And I actually had that happen quite recently when I was feeling the need to write a new song and I picked up my guitar. I went to the tones that I usually use and I put together a wicked drum beat and started playing over it and everything just sounded so bland or, you know, uninspiring and just sucked. Felt like my whole life sucked at the point though, which I think is really strongly interconnected with, with your creativity, of course, is the way you're feeling at the moment. Do you feel like your life was in that sort of a bland state of being and then when you played music it was like you were playing the music from that Mm -hmm. same place and you were like hearing your own music from that same place or do you think or were you okay was your life fine and your create no uh, yeah i think you're right there i I was kind of i don't know i was feeling mellow you know and maybe not that energetic and you know excited or i mean ups and downs are part of each life i think us creative people have maybe the more extreme, you know, dips and highs, highs and lows of, of that, you know, euphoria or, you know, those really, those really high up energy places. And when you go down, you go down pretty hard and low, really low. <laughs> and I think that was the place I was in. I think I've, I've also, I've all, I've almost always traveled in extremes, you know, when I'm when I'm up there, I can do anything, you know, I can achieve anything. Everything I make sounds good, you know. But but the thing is that I noticed too is even when I have my droughts or I'm I'm at a low point, I'm I'm in this uh Discord server for guitarists and they had um they have this monthly contest for the members there. It's no biggie, but they they have this panel there which uh, will decide on a winner and that and the the theme or the thing that they wanted people to record and 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 compete with was to write a trash metal riff at 160 bpm and i recorded something which i thought was bland and so so you know but when i played it to people they were whoa that was awesome you should make a song out of that even Josh was one of those persons who really liked the thing I made. And I ended up winning the thing, which, and there were at least three or four other contributions, which were really, really good also. So, so I noticed that even when I'm not hundred uh, percent creatively charged, or even though I'm feeling like that, I can still produce stuff that it, that's pretty high level and just, I, I guess it just from from comes from you know routine and doing it well and a lot of professional you know a lot of artists uh yeah I mean you you have your skill set and from there like I can't imagine and when you have your skill set and you're you've got all that experience and practice and a high musical IQ it's not like you're gonna be it's not like you're gonna put out anything that doesn't you know, check all the boxes that mm. doesn't like clear all the hurdles. It's going to be good at least. Whereas a lot of people, when they don't have the experience, they won't be able to do the basics. And then for you, a great song is like all those things plus taking yeah, then the inspired things and 
but then like so much great art has come from people who are in like a you know depression bad depression or something like Mm -hmm. that vincent van gogh is a great example of it you know Mm -hmm. and like edgar Allan poe and so many people who are just like these like dark intense like michelangelo is a really intense Mm -hmm. artist and he did the sistine chapel and the david and all these amazing things have you been there by the way seen it i have yeah Yeah, me too it was amazing incredible breathtaking breathtaking i mean just think about hanging there and painting that you know back in the day where where construction was ropes and wooden wooden planks and mind-boggling oh it's mind-boggling like it i mean and he was not feeling good when he did that you know it was probably viewed by him by his some of his less inspired work you know (laughs) yeah yeah people are like whoa yep and it was i mean it's absolutely amazing i mean when i walked in there it was like talk about a flow state moment it was like time stood still and i just I just sat there and you can't take photos of anything, but I can draw. So I just sat there and I drew what I saw on the ceiling. And some of those figures are like some of my favorite things in the world artistically. Mm. It was so cool. Yeah. I mean, I would was like, that was me having the experience you're going to have at that guitar factory. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so big for you, man. I, I get it. Yeah. Oh, I get it now. The comparison made there but there's <laughs> but there's so much like that in the world and you know it's wonders of the world really to yeah. put it put it that way it doesn't have to be the largest building you've ever seen to be a wonder of the world it can be just it can be a painting it can be a song it can be uh, just a couple of sentences of words i mean like poetry yeah it doesn't have to be that profound to be to be valuable or or be a wonder or it doesn't have to be that large to be profound Mm -hmm. yeah like sometimes it just takes a couple of words and like the profound element can just hit you i mean yes it's cool how like uh i mean the word profound like the definition of it like the Mm -hmm. experience of something being profound is really kind of like ineffable it's like larger than we can really describe mm. you know like when something hits you in a profound way it's really uh it's kind of like otherworldly like the fact mm. that we get to experience those sorts of things as human beings is really really cool and imagine how rich we are to be yeah. able to have those experiences and it can happen several times in your life and usually it does too oh yeah it can happen several times a day if you're mm-hmm. if you're keyed into it and that's i mean that's one thing i like to use the word rich because it's like being rich has nothing to do with how much money you have no, like if you look not. at it in terms of like i mean do you want to have a life where you have like loads of money in the bank or would you rather have all these experiences that hit you in a profound way Mm, and loads of happiness and joy yeah every day yeah yeah i would choose the latter absolutely because i wouldn't be happy if i had all the money in the world if i weren't the person or where i am today 
it, it wouldn't change anything. I mean, I would, I wouldn't have to have headaches over bills, I guess, but then I would have headaches over everything else, you know, just yeah. to have that void in yourself. I'm not, not the every rich person or the richest person to have, have that, you know, but, but just wealth in itself in, in the form of monetary wealth isn't, is doesn't equal happiness no at all because i i've noticed that uh, when i feel the richest is when i'm when i'm with my friends or with my family and just being and uh, having my instrument you know it's, it doesn't have to be anything expensive it makes you feel good i'd say you're a wealthy man yeah truly, yeah. truly wealthy but also I've, I've thought about that you know when you you're a creative person who also works within the field of your creativity you're a painter and you you have the live wedding art which is really cool never heard of that thing before yeah. that was actually the first time i i heard about you was when i i watched some of the videos that josh made oh yeah and i watched that one and one common thing with with josh's videos is that every one of them i started watching i watched it the whole thing through because he he has that captivating thing about it. He makes it, he taps into emotions so well with his, with his work, you know, and, and that really aids to, to those he is working with. And, uh, but watching, uh, watching your video there, I was, wow, this is a cool thing. And also I understood the psychology behind it when, when, when you'd see the, the bride and groom, you know, also putting their touches on it and you'd had certain per key persons from their family doing whether it was mother-in-law or or mom and dad you know also adding to it yeah. doing small strokes and that's forever man and then you had a guy there take a lot of pictures and then you'd finish it up at your studio probably yeah but yeah. really finishing i've never seen that before that was <laughs> that was really cool it's um i'd say it's um inexpensive thing uh from the point of view that what you get i mean pictures you have people put out this polaroid cameras you know or this single-use cameras and everybody will take pictures and they'll be blurry and everything but but this is a cool memory though to yeah. have yeah awesome i'm glad you like it yeah I, I i think it's a pretty sweet yeah valuable thing for people to have and i guess that's like it, it's kind of ahead of the game, like a, ahead of its time, I guess. I mean, people have been doing this forever, making paintings of events and whatnot, but the way that we add in photography and like, yeah, a lot mm. of people haven't heard it, of anything like this. So it's almost like part of the marketing is, is like getting people to get it. Not everybody gets it, but the ones that no, do get it, they yeah. totally get it. They love it right away. Right? Mm. You know? But yeah. also, you know, if you think about it, Look back in the 1800s, this was how it was done. Right. That was all there was. Yeah. Yeah. No cameras. Oh, well, they started coming up, but they were far and few between. Yeah. People like the old Western times when you had this. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, but way before that, even when they were doing it like you were doing at the weddings. And, but the thing is, there, what I was uh, going to get to is that when, when your creativity is also your work and understanding for people who work creatively, you have a, you have a client 
a customer of yours who orders something and when when it gets to the edge of where you're not that inspired to do the work but you can still do it because you are professional you'll get it done and it will be good but you won't always be that inspired by the by the type of project or you know the type of painting or whatever you have to do or the type of music you have to write for that but you'll still do it because you're professional and that and that's kind of a thing that always kind of kept me from from really going 100% and just uh, trying to live off my my music as a solo artist and songwriter composer because I I didn't want to or I I was I think I was afraid of of working with it ruin, ruining the fun from it for me you know and maybe quenching my creativity that way yeah yeah i think that's definitely something that um people have to be careful about but then at the same time and like i guess my advice would be do it and then the the element that you have to work on is your own personal mm -hmm. position that you're taking you know like i think it's easy to feel annoyed by things or not inspired when we focus on the money of it or we focus on uh maybe if we have like an attachment to certain things like if like yeah. it, let's say, you know i do custom custom murals all the time and um, let's say that a client wants something done like this, but I think it would be better this way. If I'm attached to my way of doing it, then there's going to create this like tension and a struggle within you to do it the way the client wants to. Have. Right. And so yeah. like in that spot, I got to like, you know, set down my ego and say, who is this for? Is it for me or is it for them? It's for them. Mm. So, you know, I got to do that. And then, and then, but the bigger thing, I think that, we need to come back to when we are doing it as a job and it gets into those monotonous times or struggle or frustration or whatever is like uh come back to the gratitude that we actually have the opportunity to do this like for a living yeah yeah mm -hmm. holy shit the fact that i can make art and live off it like i if i'm ever in a place that's grouchy about it or anything other than I mean, there's, there's limits to what I will like bend and do, but, but like gratitude, if I'm like firmly, you know, rooted in gratitude, then, then I can, it's just like a, such a better place to come from. And then every problem is more, um, uh, in perspective, I guess. Hmm. Yeah. That's a good way of thinking about it and look at, look on the positive sides of everything instead of, you know, you're blessed to be able to to do what you do for a, for a job yeah and to be doing that day to day and it will allow you to invest in your art you know the things the tools you need and and to have the time to put into it and perfect your your craft chip and everything that's so the biggest thing right mm -hmm. there i think is that it's like uh it's like a paid internship almost like I'm getting paid to practice my skill. And then that skill, I can then apply to my own projects, mm -hmm. you know? And like, let's say this project takes me 50 hours. That's 50 hours of working with a brush in my hand. 
that yeah. I then take into my next project that is like a passion project of mine or mm. whatever. And there'll definitely be certain things there that you'll do that will help you along the way when you find yourself in need of those skills or tool sets yeah. that you will then apply to your to your own routine or your toolbox. That's that's an inspiring way of thinking about it, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that I can see how you find the motivation when when it might be something that you're not that psyched about doing. But ego is definitely a big part of it and letting it go. I find myself pretty egoless today and try always to help other people. I've I've had I actually took that on as a thing from um, a, a person I follow on LinkedIn and uh, who always does things for other people and i i took it up upon myself to to do it also do it and i have you know people and friends ask me why do you take your time to help other people i mean what's in it for you do you get paid no no but i feel really good <laughs> yep <laughs> and also it opens doors for me that i don't know that will be open for me later on yeah and it's just if it's just a, a certain amount of your time that you have to i mean it can be something really small like stopping and helping someone with directions or advice or anything i mean just from the kindness of your heart and with, with no you know ulterior motives of doing it it has to be pure otherwise it won't uh, make any ripples for you further down your path if it's not done with an honesty in mind yep absolutely and it feels different when you have your own motives it just feels different and people feel it and you know mm -hmm. it's like your interaction with somebody when it's just like pure is uh it just i don't know it's just so nice you know it's just mm -hmm. like rings beautifully for everybody sure i absolutely agree with you there now, speaking of ringing beautifully, this guitar of yours that you play, um, I'm wondering if you would play us a little, a little riff, a little tune. Tuny tune. Yeah, a tuny tune. If it's in tune. <laughs> I think it's in tune. <laughs> Something a little diddle. Yeah, yeah, a little diddle. Let's see if we have any <laughs> sound to produce here. Sounds like, hold on, Marcus. It sounds like there's a little ringing. Is that the chimes? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think the chimes might be doing a little, like, weird ringing. Yeah, I'll see if I can. We'll get that taken care of real quick. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's been cool. Just talking to the listeners here while Marcus is getting that together. Um, yeah, he sent over two different tracks that I got to listen to, and they're uh they're so melodically beautiful i mean marcus it's i find it's interesting how like um 
it seems like a lot of people from different countries um i'm thinking like latin american and then also scandinavian countries have really um fallen in love with um like metallica and like the hard rock element and um and it's so cool how metallica has this melodic beauty to their music also and like system of a down is another one that i really love that's a definitely real yeah or song and but they're like you know like when you first listen to it and i think a lot of people that hear harder music like that they're like oh my god this is just like a lot of noise it's loud too much yeah. aggressive intense yeah. yeah but there's actually like a ton of melody and like progression and like be like the actual music music of it is like really advanced too yeah really advanced i, I think that's why i took a liking to metallic early on because of their melodic side and for me melody is so essential it's it's a must in music because without a good melody it doesn't grab you mm. and that's the motion of it you can you can you can do 100% more with a with a good melody even without vocals or and and regardless of riffs or what kind of backing tracks you have there a good melody is always what's going to grab you and yeah and uh, us people here in the nordics we we have a really vibrant music scene and always had a really big export of music, you know, from, from the pop era. We had Dennis Pop and Max Martin who produced uh, everything from Backstreet Boys to even way back New Kids on the Block and uh, Britney Spears and, uh, and even Pink um, came here to record songs and work with Max Martin. I think he now lives in LA like everybody else, but but he still has his studio here in Stockholm. Nice. And uh, so music has always been an integral part of life here and also bands. And I know Finland, where my heritage is from, has also a, a huge scene of uh, heavy metal and harder bands that have come up from there, like Sweden too. Maybe it's in our in our Viking blood here to, to be like that yeah, yeah. <laughs> metal as hell vikings are definitely metal yeah they are yeah i mean they go into battle wanting to die so yeah. they can so they can wake up in a place where they wake up in the morning they'll feast go out and and uh, do battle die and have a feast in the evening wake up in the morning go fight again and that's just how it goes run around in, in Valhalla that is yeah so what fierce warriors you know but with the same mindset you could you could apply that to anything you know if you just have the reward there you can go all out and do anything and you just have to find the mindset for it and the motivation which is the most important thing dude the Viking mindset I love that that's great mm -hmm. cool let's see if we can uh, Get it to. Yep, that sounds great.
Jewish gold jewelry. Yeah. Can can you play a little bit of Metallica? Yeah, what do you want to hear? Whatever you want. <laughs> song called and justice for all and from there it gets heavy very heavy <laughs> and nice oh that was great man something totally different we'll we'll do a live set with uh us collaborating and recording a song out of it yeah so that you were talking about how how would that work well it would be pretty easy i would send you a link and you'd log on you'll have to use a google chrome browser for it and i'd share my screen with you so you'll see my uh, the studio program, the DAW, Digital Audio Workstation, I'm working in. You will be able to speak with me like we're speaking with each other now. But the main part is that you'll also hear the mix, the straight mix that I'm working on. And what you can do there is, of course, collaborate. And I've used it uh, fairly much with uh, with the band I'm playing with or with the guys we we uh record cover songs in our rehearsal room and and then i'll be home mixing it because we have certain amount of hours there we most of us have kids and you know other stuff to do and i'll be mixing at home and then i'll invite the guys and we can sit like this and and they can you know come with their suggestions ideas and yeah you need to raise the guitars or the drums or not loud enough or whatever but basically what you also can use it for is just collaboration you know, um, having, hearing the creative, you know, process from nothing to, to maybe having a beat, a bass line and some, some uh, uh, keyboard sounds there or guitar or even vocals and just following it along would be pretty cool to start from nothing and, and just, you know, throw ideas at each other and make them happen. Totally. That's awesome because 
I mean, in the past, it was like you would have, in order to be a band, you would need to live in the same general vicinity. Yeah. And mm -hmm. then you have to have schedules that worked where everybody could get together and do like do the same things. But now you could really just each, if each member had their own little studio in their place mm. in whatever, you know, whatever shape or form that looked like, mm. then you could just coordinate a schedule and get, a, get together. It seemed like there was a band called um, Postal Service or a group. Have you heard of them? Uh, no, but I, I heard the phrase go postal. Go postal. Yeah. This is not that same sort of a thing. No. This, uh, this is a group. It's like, I think it's just a couple of people. Um, and this was in like the early 2000s, but they made an album by like, just like one person would record something and then they would send it to the other person yeah. and do mm -hmm. stuff and send it back. And that's why they ended just up- Just add on and add on and- Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's why that's they cool. called themselves Postal Service. Because they send tapes between each other or yeah, or discs or memory sticks or yeah. And now mm -hmm. this is like the new version of that. It's like it really kind of opens up doors of create creativity between people that weren't open before. Yeah, I mean we haven't even touched upon the whole COVID thing. I think it's it has touched us all in so many ways. Yep. Me and my wife, we actually had COVID last June. Oh well. So it was like a two, two week man flu for me, but it, a bit worse than a man flu though. Have fever each day. I wake up feverless and then around four in the afternoon, the fever would come on, be overnight. And then I wake up without a fever again. I had no coughing or no other issues though. My wife, she had a really only a couple of days of fever and, and then she was pretty good. Although she feels that her sense of um, smell and taste have somewhat weakened over time like there's still that, that yeah after yeah yeah but she's not that bummed about the smell thing because she's kind of sensitive to to really strong scents well she it might trigger a migraine with her so oh, so wow. it's that part is a bit better for her now at least wow. to see something good come out of whole, that whole thing but why I mean, the COVID thing has been so much discussed everywhere and it's a part of our life right now and hopefully not forever, but it's, it's also thinking about the, what you were saying there. And we found different ways of, you know, interacting with each other. And I mean, I saw Metallica do a show where they were in a room and they had kind of like a gig that Josh was working recently, if you saw that, where they had like 2000 person uh live via zoom in the room where everybody's face could be seen you know and yeah. metallica had their audience like that and they could pull out and interact with people and just talk to oh a 253 there hey where are you from and he was live talking with the band and they could hear him but they all they had a volume on everybody at a certain level all the time so it would kind of be like at a live show <laughs> i mean people find and artists find different way to get their art out there even in these times yep. that's what's so amazing with creativity and creativity is so important because it has helped me in in almost every job that i ever had although what type of job it was but being a creative person allows you to think outside the box i've i've had i've said that about myself that i've got rid of the box like 10 years ago <laughs> I, I've I've hadn't had a box that I think inside of for the last ten years. 
<laughs> I, I just threw it away in the rubbish, you know. Didn't yeah. need that. Yeah. So it's important to to think about creativity also in all aspects of your life. Use it at work. That's how you become differentiate yourself from the others because you'll you'll come up with ideas and see solutions where others see others see you know problems. And what is a problem? The word problem, if you translate it directly from Latin, is before solution. Really? Yeah. Wow. So and pro emblem pro is like you know prologue. So I had a joke kind of going on like, okay, it's a problem before it's solved, and when it's solved, it's an epiblem. So <laughs> epiblem, yeah. <laughs> totally. Stupid joke of mine, but it's it's a fun play of words there. I yeah, guess. yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. I mean, what a nice way to look at it too. And when you look at it that way, it's not like it's uh, it's gonna trigger you. No. You know, I mean, it's like we all we all experience problems or we call them problems. And that word has such a negative connotation to it. It does. It's yeah, it's so negatively loaded. And because it's just a new situation you haven't been in, in front of before. And I mean, uh, when people ask me, so what how do you act when you're faced with a problem? Well, I have to I have to get through it. I'll either get either either I'll smash through it or I'll jump over it or I'll get by it, but I won't succumb to it. I won't, you know, let it put me down. So there's only one way forward, and you just have just do it, solve it. <laughs> you know, again to the do it. <laughs> Back so to it, just do it. Seem, yeah, but just before a solution. It's you know these things you. We look at things certain ways and either you can choose to look at it something like it's a really bad thing or a negative thing or you can choose to look at it um, like okay here's something new i have to do well i'll get to have a chance to to learn that too right of, you know oh no but i've never done that before it's just the small things how we how we perceive things that can really change your whole mindset and how you look at things. Yeah, and it's like a it's like a problem is actually just like the state of being on this side of the threshold mm. that you break through or jump over or go around or unlock or whatever that will then once you pass that threshold then you're on the other side of it's really like a, a threshold of consciousness mm. because mm -hmm. And on this side, when you're in the problem, pro, pro problem mm -hmm. situation, then you just don't know the answer. And then mm -hmm. the epiblem situation, yeah. <laughs> you do know the answer. You have figured it yeah. out. So then you know the key. You, you hold the key inside yeah. of your, your being. You're like, oh, if I ever run, because, and then you're never going to be in that same problem situation because you know because you, you wouldn't even probably end up there because you you'll figure out beforehand to not end up there yeah you'll avoid it totally and and not even end up having to face it yeah but that's such a cool thing you said there and really profound too i would say actually this was a for me a profound experience here because it's so much of a mental state than a physical state you're putting yourself at that hindrance instead of 
looking at, okay, how do I solve this? How do I move on from, from this point? Problems are such mental hurdles more so than, than a physical thing. That a problem for me would be, okay, here's an ocean. I have to get to the other side. I don't have a boat. That's a problem for me. I can't think my way through that. You know, I'll probably need to use my brain to ask somebody, okay, I'm in a different country. I don't know the language. How do I ask for, to get on a boat to cross the ocean? I can probably swim that distance. Or I know I couldn't. So, but you know, that's how we see a problem. It's like an ocean you have to cross without a, without a vessel. In our minds, we make it such a big thing. When somebody says, oh, I have a problem. Like, you know, you'll kind of pull back from the person almost that, oh, no. Here's something bad. <laughs> yeah, I need to get to the airport a bit earlier than the airport shuttles go. Could I catch a ride with you? Yeah, sure. No problem. I'm free tomorrow. Well, you know, when in the instant somebody says a problem, people usually, you know, get that feeling that it's going to be something, you know, really difficult or, or God forbid, something time consuming or energy consuming out of there out of their day so true yeah. you're a wise man taylor <laughs> oh thanks man i uh i don't know about that all the time but you know we're all just doing our best here <laughs> this is the thing that when when uh when i find people that i really talk with like i've been talking with you now and those conversations or those people will help me realize things that I've been, you know, contemplating for a better part of maybe five years. You know, I have had all the pieces. I had the knowledge, or maybe I just in combination them with something that the other person says and that my, I'm at the right moment to embrace or to understand that thing that I've been thinking about. And it will just pop, you know, reveal itself. I understand it now. You know the final the final piece of the puzzle will come in there that's so that's one of the coolest uh, parts of talking with the other with other creative people because they help you open up your mind too yeah totally and somebody else's perspective often is the thing that is what connects all the dots for us because it's not attainable for you always somebody else's perspective because it's so much with their experiences, their knowledge, their way of seeing things, their filters or lack of filters even. So it's, it's some, not something you can attain for yourself, but you have to be granted it from the people receiving it. Yeah, and that's where uh, putting your ego aside is, can be really valuable also, because I think sometimes we as humans can get it in our mind that we need to know everything. We need to be everything. We need to mm -hmm. be totally self-sustaining. And, you know, from that perspective, then we feel like we need to be able to do everything on our own. And so then we, we try and when really a lot of times, if we just like ask other people, sometimes like things just flow mm -hmm. so easily and click into place and we don't need to do everything on our own. We can like, that's where we can ask for help. Yeah, totally. Human contact is so valuable and, you know, and, and it's not, not just the physical contact, but like just, just connecting over 
minds, you know, over time and space, phone calls, Zoom calls, whatever. It's mm. like, um, yeah, I definitely have people in my life that I like to converse with regularly, especially when something is challenging in my life. Because um, there's, there's, there's so much wisdom out there. And uh, I mean, just being alive, you is a challenge in a lot of ways so then you have to figure mm -hmm. out your own way and so like and everybody's gone through different challenges in their own lives so yeah and i know a lot of people they feel the urge to go to asia to find themselves mm -hmm. whereas i look looked in the mirror and oh there i am hello <laughs> me it's me again <laughs> wherever you go there you are <laughs> yeah i i was here all the time you know didn't need to go find myself in a foreign nation you know yeah all over there because i yeah. was here but you need to find the experiences i guess yeah but it seems like a lot of times when i mean from what i've heard from multiple people is that they have gone on these pilgrimages to different places and what they end up finding was actually like inside them all along or mm. you know like maybe there was a problem that was inside of them that they were running from and looking for a solution outside but really like all they needed to do was like look inward look in the mirror and face it ask for yeah. help around them hmm. i noticed that problems tend to the ones that are inside you they they will accompany you wherever you go oh yeah and you'll you'll just bring them along and they'll just cause trouble at the new place too so you can't really run from those. No. So again, before a solution. Yep. Solutionize it. <laughs> yes. Epibram. Epibram them. Epiblem. 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 <laughs> that should be a thing. That should be a thing, actually, people say, you know. I'm into it. I used to be a problem. Now it's the epiblem. Yeah. Now we're in the yeah. epiblem state, and it's really it's nice. It's in the epilogue. <laughs> Oh, Marcus, this has been a pleasure. I very much appreciate you. Uh, truly, truly. Space. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think that's it. There's, I don't have any special things to end these part two segments with. So, you know, that's it. I appreciate you being here. Thank you. It was uh, it was my pleasure and a great honor to to be part of this. I've so been looking forward to do this, <laughs> and it's been a blast. Hell yeah, I yeah. expected. The art and life adventure continues. It does. <laughs> All right, cheers. Take care, bro. So that, my friends, was Marcus Manor. That was a great podcast. I love what, uh, what we got into. This whole new setup where we're doing part one and part two, I'm in love with it because I feel like what it does is it gives people that extra chance to really like be themselves and let let a little bit extra time happen for the really really juicy stuff to come out um because yeah we got into some really cool philosophical meanderings at the end and uh yeah marcus is a really really unique human and and his musical iq is very high and it, I, I hope that you found that as entertaining as I did to just listen to him talk about 
you know, the technical aspects of creating music and then like music theory that he's coming from and then the, the experience with the different bands. I think a lot of people have had similar experiences like that in bands throughout time. Um, yeah, it's not easy to to make it to the big time and there's a lot of hurdles and, you know, it's a lot. it takes a lot to coordinate multiple human beings creatively and uh, physically in one space. So yeah, that was great. Love the wisdom that came out there. Um, with words of wisdom to all you creatives, just, uh, just do it. Just get out there and do it. Don't worry about it. Just do it. Um, yeah, the, there's a quote that came to mind through that when he was saying that, that, uh, it goes something like, and I don't know who said it, but it goes something like when the student is ready, the teacher will appear which is so cool because then it, it's like really we're all students forever if we think about it correctly you know keep a student mindset keep always learning and that way we're always just going to be a student we're just going to be in a different grade level we're going to keep going and every every new level we get to there's going to be a new teacher that's appearing for us and that teacher appears in the form of all sorts of different things and if we're open to it uh you know we can listen and we can learn and with that um you know we can really just lean into any sort of a creative uh drive that we feel any calling that we feel we don't need to worry about how we're gonna do it we just need to go for it and then know that the teacher is going to appear when we're ready and uh whatever level and stage we're at so i find that pretty inspiring just go for it yeah i think that's all we got here so uh yeah definitely subscribe if you haven't share this out to anybody that you think might find it interesting or inspiring and look forward to more art and life podcasts because season two is in full flow and we've got great interviews coming up so thank you very much for listening cheers